Hi everyone, it's Pete here and welcome to EdTech Innovators. This week we have Eugene Kappen, all the way from Seattle, to talk about social media futures and virtual reality. He's got a virtual reality talk show, you know. Hope you enjoy it. Now, and I'm with Eugene Kappen. I got it right. Hi, Eugene Kappen. <laughs> Um, we were talking about somebody getting your name wrong. There's no excuse for that, is there? But it's really good to to have you here. How's it going today? Uh, I'm I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Good. I love your background, by the way, which which people can't see. Would you Would you mind if I uh, described it? Uh, go for it. It's a uh, sexy black curtain, and um, and yeah, absolutely. It's like a sort of magician's uh, <laughs> man cave with a white shirt to, to contrast with it. So I like that a lot. People Thank notice you. these things. It's like, so is there a, a video version of this? Yes, I can't. Okay, so so this is just like, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. This is just like a hanging section to like the rest of our studio. Love it. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah, oh, fantastic. And nice whiteboard as well for ideas. I like that. <laughs> really good. Um, okay, so let, I'll so summarize um, how, you're, how you describe yourself and, and you can tell me how representative this is, if, if that's okay. So I mean, I think one main thing is that you describe yourself as a social media futurist, and we'll unpack that later on because I, I love that phrase anyway. And um, you're uh, about using technology, and this is at the forefront of what you do, and you've been involved in uh, YouTube studios and so on. And you've been involved in in, in social media, of course. Um, but you also produced this a journey VR film, and uh, the film became an official selection at a SIF and a staff pick by Adobe and VER. Uh, and the number one 360 degree uh, download. I'm reading this now. 360 degree video download on Steam for 30 days. Um, and now you're involved in a VR talk show, which is doing extremely well. So, so much here that, that um, interests me. Um, what shall we start with? Would you like to start with um, the VR talk show? Because that, that's fascinating. Yeah, we can, we can start with that or we can talk about my, uh, my very unique bachelor's degree that, oh, um, that. I'm sure nobody else has. Yeah. Uh, yeah so okay. I went to, um, in, in terms of forward thinking education, I enrolled myself into Evergreen States, which is basically the most liberal college in North America. It's actually in Olympia, Washington, uh, United States. Um, we had other very noticeable personalities come out of this college, such as, such as Matt Growing, who created The Simpsons, and the pop artist Malcolm Moore. Oh, okay. Uh, so basically, this is a college that if you want to pursue something truly unique um, and you are, are, have very liberal sensibilities, this is the college for you. Um, I wanted a bachelor's degree in YouTube studies. Okay. And I graduated in 2014 from the college with my bachelor's in liberal arts with an emphasis on YouTube studies. Um, and they, they have a very unique grading system that I'm actually, I, I completely am in support of. They don't do grades. Mm. And to that, a lot of people see that as like a, a way out of like the traditional education system. But what you get in return is a very detailed evaluation by your college professor. 
Okay. And so, and, and it, it does give you a lot more backstory than just looking at a a grading chart to be like, Oh, you got a 3.8. That's great. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the details coming from those college professors, it's, it's like, Hey, this person excels at public speaking, but they need to work on the psychology methodology of their focus mm. or, or they, they excelled extremely well in the after effects, VFX and motion design portion of the course, but they didn't do too well in the advanced physics portion of the course. Right. So, well, yeah, so it, it goes into details and it very much lists your, your strengths and your weaknesses over a general grade. Mm. That's, that's so cool because obviously, you know, obsessing over a grade can be quite limiting, can't it? It can, be, mm-hmm. uh, it can set you back, I think, too. So that, that, that's so good for your development. Um, do you mind if I ask you, you know, given that you did specialize in YouTube and that was mm-hmm. 2014, um, the landscape has changed considerably, but, but what's still relevant, do you think, but, you know, can you, um, that springs to mind for you? So I, I think high value content mm. as, as far as like trying, so when, when anybody declares themselves as wanting to be like uh, an internet personality or a professional YouTuber, uh, you have to understand that it's, a very long journey uh, in, in terms of, of making it, so to speak. And if you don't have a decade to dedicate to learning the craft, knowing that you're probably not going to get a paycheck from YouTube AdSense or any sort of financial compensation for a decade, it's probably left to be a hobby, if mm. anything. Mm. Um, in the very early days of YouTube, uh, nobody knew what it was. I mean, it, it was just people creating their, their own TV shows or, or, or web series um, based on their own merits versus getting major financial backing by VCs or uh, television stations or, or big, um, uh, what is it? Uh, larger, you know, production companies basically backing those shows. Mm. And what's interesting to me is you have all these shows now that are basically self-produced that, and some of them are getting more views than the primetime shows, which is fantastic. It's, it's this incredible shift. Mm. And the things that have always stayed the same is you're always going to have people being talking heads. You're always going to have, you know, people dedicating their their speciality to becoming uh the celebrity version of whatever their niche is Mm. and like myself i i went in originally um working at a youtube consulting agency outside of college uh which so i got to work on youtube channels that had anywhere between uh 500 subscribers to like 4 million subscribers at the time and I, I, I think the shift in that itself is, um, I think 360 video is incredibly underrated as far as on the YouTube platform. And I feel like every couple of years we get that like new wave of blood coming in who are like, we're going to redefine, you know, what it means to be a YouTuber. And then you get more of the same. Okay. Um, I mean, you've mentioned before the, you know, the, the, the ongoing, the enduring importance of great content, of course, but mm-hmm. 
surely the, the notion of what constitutes great content has changed quite a lot over, over the last um, six years. I I don't I don't think so. Okay. I don't. Uh, so basically, when you create content on YouTube, you're stuck in one of two camps. Uh, you either have escapism, which is the entertainment value of a YouTube channel, or you have value, which is you're getting something out of it, whether it's uh, emotional support, it's education based, you're using it to, you know, better your, your resume or, you know, pick up or learn a new skill. And at the very bottom, that's that's what it comes down to. That's what you're boiling that sort of content down to. Now, as far as getting the millions of views, the millions of subscribers, uh, that usually stems from producing a lot of work, such as you know you're going to want to make a thousand videos of you know teaching the same sort of thing, or you're going to build what I like to call high effort content. And that's where you get guys like Mr. Beast, <laughs> where it's like, hey, we're building the world's largest Snickers bar, or last one to leave the island gets the island. Right. And then so that, that circles back to that entertainment value. Mm, okay. Oh, fantastic. Um, I, mean, what's, I, I work with, uh, with, with teachers. I work in education. What advice would you give to those many teachers who want to, you know, usually young teachers who want to, make it on YouTube, they want to offer something of value on, on YouTube? Um, I would probably take a look at the creator success pyramid, mm. um, which basically goes um, in several different tiers where you have your generalists or in, in this case, your hobbyist, which is just, you're creating videos for fun, you're learning the process, you're learning how, what the difference between the quality of a webcam and a dedicated DSLR cameras, or you're learning what's the difference between a, a little lav mic and a, a, like a Blue Yeti mic. Mm. And that that's really your, your long-term process of going, hey, this, the, like, I'm not taking any financial compensation from this. This is just my play around time. This is me figuring everything out. And in terms of teaching, that's really what you're probably going to be stuck with because you're, you're not looking to build dedicated audiences. Your audience is probably going to be the 30 to 100 kids in your classroom, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah. And especially with COVID where, you're, where what you could do is you could pre-film your classes take them and, and put them onto YouTube. And then that way, if they need to go back and review something or they can't make it to a specific class, you can just send them a link and they get all the same information as if they were actually in your class. Yeah, so so many opportunities. And I think that, um, that if it's okay with you, I'd like to talk about how some opportunities have opened up to you since since mm -hmm. COVID perhaps, and uh, at the same time, some have started to shut down. So uh, how has it been for you since the uh, lockdown situation started? Uh, I'm gonna be honest, uh, when COVID hit, it was extremely, extremely rocky for, for me, my production company, uh, Studio Cap'n, and, you know, but with all difficulty, there comes opportunity, right? And there's one thing I've, I've learned about me and, and the people I surround myself with is we're all very scrappy. <laughs> and so we, um, 
we hired a CTO and we started building out um, virtual reality music experiences. Um, and so we're, we're in the whole process of, um, we, we built our demo products and now we're looking to take them to very specific artists and build those larger, grander shows, which you might not get because, you know, artists aren't touring on because of COVID. Nobody can be in a room past 60 people, which means giant venues like, um, for us, that would be like the Tacoma Dome that seats like 70,000 people. Uh, like those places aren't going to be packed. No one's going to hold shows there. People aren't going out to nightclubs. So what's the alternative? Well, the alternative is to still put on those shows, but bring them to the people. And so my focus has definitely shifted from, you know, social media content to virtual reality and, and the eventual replacement of the internet to, to the metaverse. Mm. Um, so that's, that's what we're actively creating yeah. or basically taking this terrible, terrible situation that we're all unified in and, you know, making the best of it and creating solutions that, that can not just, you know, help keep my company afloat, but can, you know, bring a real solution to other people who might need it. Mm, absolutely. And, and we're all missing live music so much, aren't we? And those sort of, you know, social experiences in general, but, uh, but that could be a really interesting solution. As, as you, as you I, let me ask you this. What do you, what sort of music do you listen to? Um, well, because I'm quite old, I listen to just about every form of music, really. I mean, I, I like, uh, I, there isn't a form of music that I don't like. And um, I think pop, pop, maybe country music. So I don't listen to country. Okay. I like it. So, uh, oh, so wait, are you like one of those people who likes everything except for country? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I could same. Be them. If I'm not the right people, they could persuade me one day. I'd, I'd be wearing those boots and everything. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Not just jazz. But I, I was, I, I'm totally the same. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, mean, that, I think the whole notion of genre is sort of pretty much dead anyway, isn't it, really? And I think that that's how many people live their musical lives, don't they? They, they, um, they don't really care about a particular genre or a particular artist. They have playlists and, and, and have a very short attention span. And I've become like that in, in my old age. You know, I, I used to be a, an album type of person. And, what, do, uh, what, do you, what, what do you mean old age? Because I, I think you and I are actually pretty close in age oh okay I, I, yeah I, I wouldn't assume that you were too much older than me oh no no, no. well who knows I'm not sure if we should reveal our age on the, on this podcast but uh this one. um <laughs> yeah but um but yeah I, I can see that um in the absence of of live music and in, not just because of covid but but let's let's imagine the post-covid world there's still a lot of scope really for something a bit more intimate you know something something a bit more um I don't know, immersive really to, to happen with, with the music industry. And that it's just beyond a, a, a live performance. I, I completely agree. And that's why I think uh, VR is a fantastic solution yeah. and not just a solution, but I really think it's the next stage in how music in itself is progressing. Mm. Uh, did you ever check out the Travis Scott Fortnite uh, event that they had? I didn't, no. Okay, so, but you know what Fortnite is, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so for anybody who is listening who doesn't know, uh, Fortnite is this 
um, battle royale video game that is immensely popular. And a uh, artist by the name of Travis Scott held a concert inside of this video game that it, it wasn't made as a, as a music venue of any kind. I mean, it, it's, it had one particular purpose and they shifted to throw a show in it. And 12 million people logged in to watch it live. Wow. Right? Hmm. So even though there are a ton of really big virtual uh, concerts that have happened, there's clearly an interest in it. Absolutely. In, in yeah. a huge way. And those are just, those 12 million people were just people who actively play this one video game. Mm. Think about how many other people are actually out there. Yeah. So it's, it's the eyeball economy, of course, isn't it? You know, so there's so many ways you could think about monetizing that, aren't there? Oh, yeah. Seemingly overnight, we went from a, a gig economy to a live stream economy, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Where people went from, you know, teaching classes in person, you know, part time, like maybe you're a dance instructor or a fitness instructor or a yoga instructor or some sort of, you know, side gig like this mm -hmm. and suddenly you're having to live stream those same classes to you know the people who can't make it into those places into the gym into the dance studio Showbiz economy yeah the, the live stream economy <laughs> yes um so in, in terms of a, so we talk about the opportunities for, for the music industry and how you know we're not only creating something immersive and entertainment and of value but something that can be extremely um, powerful in terms of virality. And that's 12 million views on uh, within Fortnite. Incredible. Um, but what about talk shows? Uh, so I'll give you, an, a, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what you're doing with, with your VR talk mm -hmm. show. But so over in the UK, we have um, we have a guy called Graham Norton who does a, a talk show. I don't you know. Oh, okay. Graham. Yeah, he did. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, obviously since COVID, they've tried different things. They've tried socially distant studios and they look a bit strange. They've tried um, interviews over Zoom or Skype or whatever, and they just don't really work. And so it's just something has to start happening if it's, to make it a bit more entertaining. Um, step in, Eugene Cameron, of course. Um, so tell, tell us about your, um, your, your VR talk show. Uh, so I hosted and created uh, the first in VR talk show to basically ever be sold as if it was a TV show. And it ran for three seasons. Uh, we did one season on Altspace, which is now owned by Microsoft, and two seasons on High Fidelity, which was, um, did you ever play Second Life back in the day? Um, I've, I've entered Second Life. I mean, I didn't really get into it. I just sort of um, wanted to find out what was going on so that I could have a conversation about it, if that makes sense. Okay. So uh, Philip Rosedale, Linden Labs, uh, their whole team, they contacted us when Altspace went under originally. And we, when, it, when I first jumped into virtual reality, um, there wasn't a lot of people. There wasn't a lot of people that were actively... Um, in the space. And because I had come from a background of actively working with big name YouTubers at my at the consulting agency, Press Play, uh, I had one of those verified celebrity Twitter accounts. 
and sorry, <laughs> I had one of those verify celebrity uh, Twitter accounts and I started following everybody in the VR industry I could. And I just happened to follow this guy who was hired at Altspace to help produce 16 big shows. And some of those shows were like Reggie Watts, uh, Justin Roiland, who created this little show called Rick and Morty. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Silverman, Michael, Sarah, Tim and Eric have a comedy group called Josh. And their very last slot uh, was offered to me. Uh, they were like, hey, do you want to take a meeting? I said, sure. I jumped into the platform. I was like, this is incredible. Uh, I've never been inside a, a social VR platform before. This is great. And they're like, hey, do you want a show? And I said, absolutely. And so uh, a friend of mine had been a radio talk show host, uh, Topher Welsh. And he had co-run the, and he was running After Effects Seattle, which was one of the largest motion design user groups in the United States. And because I had come from a motion design VFX background when I was working on YouTube videos, he saw a lot of the work that I was doing, invited me to uh, come and join that community. And we became really, really good friends. And I was like, buddy, you gotta co-host this with me. This would be a great opportunity for you. And that whole first season was just experimental uh, content. Like nobody got paid for it because no, it was so new. Nobody knew what to do with this. And then I was like calling up every YouTuber that I knew like, Hey man, you got like a million subscribers. You want to come on to a virtual talk show? <laughs> and it was such like a novel idea that nobody had heard of it. And they're like, Oh yeah, that sounds amazing. That sounds really cool. Right. Mm. Um, and then all space went under and when they went under, we were like, well, what do we do with this show that we produced? This thing that was still very much in its infancy. And that's when Philip Rosedale and his team reached out and they were like, hey, we really like your show. And to us, they were like, oh, you probably couldn't afford anybody else on that roster, right? Uh, we were like, I wouldn't say we're the low hanging fruit, but we probably caught the least out of like everybody you possibly could, you know, bring over. And we were like, hey, Allspace is very plug and play. With you guys, we're going to need like 60 days of runtime to build avatars and like 3D model sets and, and program different elements. And they were like, okay, what's that going to cost? And I threw out a number and they were like, good, done. And I was like, man, I should have asked for more. Right? <laughs> uh, so a couple of months go by, Topher... And I, we, we fly down to Beverly Hills in California, which uh, just happened to be during TwitchCon. And we, we got what were called duplication scans, which is just a really fancy word for uh, 3D uh, photogrammetry models based on our, on our geometry. And so we basically got to look like us while doing seasons two and three of this very new show. I, I can't hear you. Yeah, sorry. Uh, what, sorry there's lots of, like you, there's quite a lot of banging going on around me, you see, so I actually muted myself for a while. Oh, gotcha. Um, so this is this is beyond fascinating. What's um, what's next for you in the near future then in terms of the, the, the VR? Um, uh, okay. So right now, um, I'm working on my 
VR music platform uh, with my team. Mm. And we're starting to pitch it to artists and, you know, different companies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Different companies yeah. as far as... <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Isn't it weird? We, we, we both had an issue with, with sound at, at exactly the same time. Strange. <laughs> uh, happened. All right. <laughs> Yeah. So good. We'll just power through it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. through the power of editing, I mean, this whole thing cannot be in there, right? Well, uh, maybe. It's, it's nice, nice to have a bit of spontaneity, <laughs> actually, isn't it? Uh, so <laughs> anyway, the, um, my, my big focus right now with my, my company and COVID is I'm, I'm working on this VR music platform, and we're starting to get to this point where we're bringing on partners. We're looking for sponsorships. We're, you know, looking to raise, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to finish the development and add new features and, and produce bigger and better shows than, you know, we've seen out there. Mm. Oh, great. When you watch the shows from, from back in the day, you know, for the early shows, if you like, which I know. Oh, they the, oh they're cringe yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, Oh, you're, you're muted again. Um, how do you think you've improved then in, in your presentation style and, and the technical skills as well? Since, uh, since I probably would have asked for more runtime and more money to produce things. Um, I probably mm. would have okay. found a, a producer right away mm. uh, instead of waiting the last minute. Mm. Uh, I think I would have done test runs with my, uh, with my guests. I think we would have asked for a lot, much, much larger marketing budget. Mm -hmm. no. um, you know, just, just little things like that. And then making sure that everybody was inside of the, the platform. They didn't wait till like the last minute to put on the headset and, and be in there. I would probably have them be in there an hour before just to run lines and practice different bits and sketches and games and, you know, run through questions with the guests. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, what about the social media stuff that you, that you do uh, too? And um, is that is that something sort of um, complementary, or, or is it something that you? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think there's really two sides to to me as a um, as a social media futurist. There's definitely the technology side where I'm actively working and developing different products for the market. But there's the other side where I am a personality. I travel and I, I speak on the subject of social media. Um, I just started up a, a vlog uh, again. So I'm putting out one five minute vlog every single week where I kind of mix and match entertainment versus education into one. So everybody is equally entertained, but at the same time they leave you know, feeling that they got something of value out of watching me. Mm. And I, and I, I think that's going to do very, very well in the future for me. Mm. Then of course, you know, I'm always part of these um, communities such as the virtual reality Seattle community, the YouTube Seattle creators community, the after effects Seattle community, you know, the things that I, I definitely focus on. And you know, I, I want to be part of those communities, and I want to help them grow because, in turn, they're going to help me grow. 
Mm, very good. Um, what I mean, before we um, think about wrapping this up, um, just, just a couple of things I'd, I'd like to ask you about social media. What, what, what about some products that you would re recommend that help people use social media better? So I'm thinking about things like Sprout Social and things like that. And, and, yeah, uh, so um, it really depends on what kind of social media you're looking to do. Mm -hmm. um, for my company, whenever we need to like pre-batch posts, of any kind, I use a product called socialb.io. And it's, um, there's a company called AppSumo. And they basically have lifetime deals for different services. Like, like that's their whole business model. So you'll get very early stage companies who need a lot of funding right away. And that people might not want to subscribe to like the monthly fees for their product. And so they'll go, Hey, we have 25,000 copies of our product. You pay 25 to $40, you know, uh, up front and you get the license forever. And we can't, we won't take it away from you versus you might pay $10 a month forever for that service. And I think keeping an eye on different services that pop up that way is a really good way to find different tools to enhance your social media uh, career. Uh, if you're on Twitter, I would say check out TweetDeck. If you're reposting um, Instagram posts from like other people, uh, of course, you know, Clipboard is great. Um, uh, Regan is a, another great social media application for the smartphone, uh, which allows you to basically hit copy and then you can save it and then you can repost it to your own Instagram feed. And if you're building community posts where people are submitting things, um, it's a real time saver. And then of course, you know, just doing your due diligence to create your, your video content, which is, you know, you, uh, have you ever heard of the uh, distribution social media cycle? Uh, try me. Okay, so, um, and it, anybody who watches Gary V or uh, video influencers, you, pr you probably know this already, uh, where you'll take one piece of long form based content and then you'll maybe cut it down to the audio, which you'll put on Anchor. And that sends it out to like 10 different podcast platforms. And then you'll take that long form video and you'll put it onto Facebook and uh, IGTV and, you know, Twitter or, or Discord. And then you might like cut it up into like little bits and you might put it onto Pinterest and you might write a medium, a Tumblr and a blogger article associated with the video. So it's, you know, all backlinked and, you know, you have your show notes. Um, and so I actually have a, on my website, I do have a free download uh, for a free ebook that basically goes step by step how to do this process uh, called Get Serious About Social Media. Mm -hmm. uh, and anybody can find that on my, my website, uh, hightechinfluencer.com. Mm -hmm. uh, the other method I would uh, practice is probably batching your video long form content. And that's basically, you know, it, it takes time to set up your camera, to set up your lights, to figure out your backgrounds. And 
what's the difference between your videos if you're say a talking head uh that might just be like changing your shirt between you know different videos right mm. yeah. so you might as well just take one day create a month of videos right and release them over time and that way you don't feel so stressed all the time to be like man that deadline for the next video is coming up i should probably jump on that mm. a few months ago on the on the podcast uh, we had a guy called dustin miller on i don't know if you're familiar with him from uh, from social but uh he was talking about the repurpose app as well it's a mm -hmm. repurpose.io who uses repurpose. that quite a lot to repurpose uh, i'm i'm not familiar with that one. Oh, okay yeah oh. So, i mean it's a similar thing that you were talking about before like you know, as you know gary v says chop things up into a million pieces and repurpose mm -hmm. them across multiple platforms um i don't i don't know why but i, I haven't been watching gary v's videos for a while i, I don't know why that is if he's uh, gone quiet or or because He's not targeting me, or, or I, don't know. I, I think he changed up his uh, his content uh, not too long ago. Right. Okay. So originally he was doing like the the Daily V show, um, which was very targeted, and he mm -hmm. built up this two million <coughs> person audience, and then he started expanding out, mm -hmm. and so I it's probably not as targeted as it used to be. Yeah. I mean, right. like. You're, you're probably like me, you watched it for the Gary Vee show, which was the people call in, he gives his advice, or he does an interview with a celebrity, right? Mm -hmm. And now it's him going to garage sales and trying to flip things. Oh, and he, he, yeah, and, or he's doing this show called Comrades and Coffee now, mm -hmm. which is basically the Gary Vee show, but with um, several co-hosts mm -hmm. versus just himself. Yeah, okay. And and I can understand why he would do that. I mean, if you watch enough of his content, it's the same messages being retold over and over and over. And though Gary Vee is incredibly entertaining, the messages might get a little stale once you've taken them in, internalized them and, and put them into action. Like, okay, you like, I, I did the thing that you told everybody to do, you know, what's next, right? Yeah. Oh, same message. Okay. You know, I'm probably going to not watch for a while until he comes up with something new. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, what, what, my, what would be your summary of Gary V's content? Mine would be something like, um, stop complaining, go ahead and do it, but with a million swear words in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So patience versus motion. Mm. is probably the big ones that I take away. Play the long game. I mean, when, when I was younger, I wanted, you know, to be like the millionaire CEO, you know, building, you know, the next Google, right? And now that I'm a lot older, I'm just like, I don't have time for that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be happy. <laughs> I want to work on the things that I want to work on uh, with my friends and my, my cohorts. And, you know, just live my best life and and i would want that for anybody right yeah absolutely and, and to be fair to gary v he, he does uh, that is one of his messages uh, of course isn't it that uh, it's not all about being a billionaire or a millionaire mm -hmm. but being happy too yeah so, i like you even though him and i vastly disagree on you know different um metaverse you know timelines and things like this because we've actually got in it over like twitter a little bit um yeah so he's he's replied to me on twitter before um you know i i still love and respect the guy 
Oh, okay. I mean, are you okay to summarize this? What is this metaverse beef? Mm. Uh, it's it's basically different timelines. Mm. Um, I, I think we can get there in, you know, 10 years. He thinks it's going to be 25 to 50. Right. Yeah. Um, do, do I need to go into uh, what the metaverse is? Uh, well, yeah, that, that would be really helpful. Okay. Uh, so anybody who's listening who's never heard the term metaverse, it is the eventual replacement of the internet. Now, I, I don't mean this as it's going to replace the internet all at once. I mean, it's just going to be readily available mm. and people might start switching over. Mm. So in the social media life cycle, um, you basically what happens is you have a, a new app or a new platform that pops up and one of two things happens. You either get mass adoption or it, you know, burns out and it basically runs out of money and can't operate anymore. Right. So what happens when it doesn't burn out? Well, you get that mass adoption and then from there, a couple of things happen. It either becomes too big to fail or a bigger company buys it out. So that's where you have like Oculus getting bought by Facebook or Instagram being bought by Facebook or Vine being bought by Twitter, right? And so once it's purchased, if it's not, if it's, it's small enough, it'll either become an asset to that company or it'll be, you know, it's hemorrhaging money. We're going to shut it down. And then once it's been, it's gone through its life cycle, um, a new app will show up and they'll be like, hey, do you remember that app everybody was using called MySpace? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that was great. But, you know, we're going to try Facebook or, you know, that like old person app, Facebook, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You know, I, I keep it because I want to keep in contact with my grandma, but I'm going to be on TikTok. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's part of it is keeping an eye on different social platforms that happen um, and then looking to new technologies to eventually replace those older applications. Uh, I think eventually we're going to have enough life cycles that go through where people are going to jump on to virtual reality in a big way. Yeah. 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 Um, last time, I know, that, sorry to talk about Gary V so much, but, but I know he's been talking quite a lot recently about um, how ads on Facebook and Instagram are undervalued, aren't they? They're, they're underpriced, sorry. You can still get a very good price for advertising space on Instagram mm-hmm. and Facebook. Uh, what, what would you say to that? Um, I, I would say probably go with um, some award-winning formula if you're going to create advertising on social media platforms. People go to social media platforms Yes, you're probably going to get fed ads at some point, but people go to them for, you know, again, either content or escapism, right? Value or escapism. And your ads should reflect that. And that's why things like influencer marketing are so popular because they have a built-in dedicated audience that pays attention to whatever they say. If you're going to just pitch a product and even, even if it's, you know, an undervalued, you know, platform as far as buying advertisement on it, it's, it doesn't matter unless your advertising is good enough Mm -hmm. or else you're, I mean, like if you got a crap product and a crap ad, it doesn't matter how cheap the ad 
is going to be, no one's going, you're not going to make your money back. Right. Mm. So I, I would say, yes, you know, look at places where content is, or uh, advertising is un- undervalued, but I would say also focus on making sure that your message and your brand and your delivery is top notch. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think of these things, I, I think of the Harmon brothers. Uh, are you familiar with them? Uh, Harvey brothers. Uh, the Harmon brothers. Oh, the Harmon brothers. My apologies. Um, the Harmon brothers. Try, try me on that. Okay. Uh, they were, so in the very earliest um, iterations of YouTube, uh, there was a product called Oral-B, mm-hmm. which, or the Oral-B brush, which was this like tongue scraper that nobody really thought was like a great product. And then they did this amazing YouTube video where it's basically a tongue scraper talking about scraping his tongue for like five minutes. And it was so entertaining that you're just like, huh, I'm really entertained by this. I, I really, I kind of want to try this product now Mm. or one of their biggest successes um, is the uh, this item called squatty potty Mm. um, where they delivered it by a prince uh, like a fantasy prince talking about how amazing it is to use this thing to poop Mm. while they have a pooping unicorn uh, basically pooping ice cream and then feeding it to children. And it, it it is so hilarious to watch that you're like I like I know I bought one. <laughs> when you hear it in words, it sounds extremely messed up, doesn't it? I think. Oh, absolutely. And uh, hearing the I did watch the behind the scenes uh, review of like the whole process the, where they were like, yeah, this is like a really Christian company that took this product onto Shark Tank at one point. Mm. And they just plateaued and they didn't know how to get more buyers. Right. Because who's going to buy more than one of these things, right? Mm. Uh, So, but when they did the pooping unicorn video on YouTube, which was, you know, entertaining while providing um, some level of value because they were trying to sell you a a health product, basically. Um, It, it's, it's one to watch. It's, yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely something to watch. Mm. And I, I believe their, uh, their sales actually tenfolded after that video. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like they sold 10 times what they were selling. They went from, uh, what was it like a 1 million to a $10 million business in a year? Mm. My goodness. Yeah. Well, they deserve it. That's all I can say. But think about an idea that's so out there. It's, it's incredible. Um, I, I think that's the way that, you know, all content should be delivered. Yeah. Like, like you don't know it's an ad because you're so entertained. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, um, it, it's about stopping, stopping thumbs moving, isn't it really? This, this sort of you know, kinetic stuff where it's sort of scrolling, scrolling, scrolling mindlessly and then whew, stop. Now that, to, to actually achieve that in, the, in, in 2020 um, is an incredible uh, achievement, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So anybody who can do that and, and with those crazy ideas as well, because that's a great deal of credit. <laughs> they really do. I, I, I know it's super, super hard to replicate. And unless you have like a professional com- comedy writer, mm. unless you are a professional comedy writer, I would suggest finding one to help you with your copy because mm. they're worth the money. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it's it, it just got to feel real, feel spontaneous, and so it can't feel as though it's going to be the next, you know, crazy advert that uh, that, that took everyone's attention. So um, yeah, and a lot of people don't want to invest, do they, in in copywriters, uh, for example, or comedy writers? And uh, no, they they want to do it themselves to save yeah. a buck, but then they don't. So in one of my most recent vlogs, uh, I talk about um, this methodology called low efforts, high efficiency. And it's basically like, if you can hire somebody to take your workload off of you while you use them to make more money in the long run, you absolutely should do it. And And I go into the vlog by talking about like my health journey. Um, I was uh, diagnosed with a mass in my leg um, about a year ago. And so I couldn't run for two or three years. And then I couldn't walk for three months up until having the mass removed. And we actually thought I might have cancer. Hmm. And because I wasn't able to be as active as I probably should have, you know, I started gaining weights and I look back at this video of myself on the Twitch stage live, which is the Twitch's Twitch channel, like very big deal. And I am chunky. I'm a big guy. And I, I looked, I was like, man, what, what was I not doing? I wasn't taking care of myself. And so I thought, okay, how do, how do I want to lose this weight? Well, I can spend hours and hours and hours figuring out, you know, what the best exercises are, um, how to do calorie counting, you know, how to, you know, basically break down. And I would, the idea is I could probably spend 10, 15 hours figuring out all of these things Mm -hmm. where I can spend $50 and buy a course on like called like six week shred, which is the one I bought. And I went through the program in night and day you know, it, it looks so much better than than I did prior to going through the uh, going through the course. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, I saved myself a bunch of time and bunch of money because mm-hmm. I just straight up bought that app. And by buying a service or or an item to better utilize your time is, is something I'm completely in supportive uh going back to like the squatty potty if that's gonna cut your time in the bathroom by half i mean why not right that's worth the uh that's worth especially like if you calculate it over a full year yeah i mean that's that's i want to yeah (laughs) like you're spending so much time just pooping (laughs) versus like actually going out and being productive yeah so i mean it's that's worth the 24 95 or <laughs> however they cost <laughs> my goodness yeah well i i was gonna say thank you so much for coming but i really can't end this on that can i i mean that that, that would just be a <laughs> not the best place to end it <laughs> uh how how do you want to how do you want to end this <laughs> absolutely we need to end it somewhere a bit more appropriate don't we i think so um yeah. So, well, one thing I'd, I, if I had a, more, a lot more time, I'd, I'd um, ask you a bit more about um, you know, the, the content that we're exposed to. You know, when you're 
scrolling through um, social media on your phone or whatever. What really inspires you and what, what really irritates you? Um, I get irritated by self-proclaimed gurus who just spit the same jargon from everywhere else all the time. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, those like uh, live, laugh, love signs mm. that, you know, all middle-aged women happen to have in their house while they're drinking their wine. <laughs> like stuff like that irritates me because it's so like you might, other people might be inspired, but I feel like it's so disingenuous mm. and it's, it's, it's just copying and stealing and regurgitating the same stuff mm. without ever actually trying to live that truth. Mm. And so the stuff that inspires me are actually the people around me and the people I choose to associate with. Mm. Um, I, I love being around other people who are, who have the same mission, who are constantly creating new ways and who are trying to actively innovate. Mm. Mm. Like if you feel like you're one of those people, you should be surrounding yourself by other people who are trying to do the same thing because you're going to influence them and they're going to influence you. Yeah, and, and people who praise you as well, which is really important. Um, please tell me if I'm a bad person, uh, Eugene. And I, what irritates me when I'm on social media is um, when I see people's profile picture and they're facing, facing away from the camera and they're looking- Oh, like, at like the- Well, maybe even just to, like, maybe from the back of their head and they're looking across like, some beautiful landscape or something like that, but you can't even see their face. That worries me. I, I, I worry about their self-esteem. Am, am I overthinking it? Uh, do, you, do you feel like they're projecting an image that's better than the reality that they actually have? Exactly. Yeah. It, it just says to me, oh, forget about me. I don't really count. What counts is this mountain. I, so I, I think if it's part of your brand and, and that's part of the image that you're trying to like sell to people to inspire them i guess yeah I, I guess that's not bad but if you post nothing but like hey i'm on a private jet you know check this out and then somebody catches you drop you know flying commercial that same day after you post that selfie um which was a real thing a lot of celebrities like professional social media influencers yeah. um get caught doing on budget um you know that i'm like i, I can't take you seriously mm -hmm. if i'm flying coach i'm flying coach and that's the selfie you're getting mm -hmm. right <laughs> like like i'm i'm like if, if i'm hanging out with like a, a, a well-known celebrity and we're actually having a conversation and i ask for that selfie awesome mm -hmm. but if it's just somebody i'm saying hi to for like two seconds mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not actually excited to meet. I'm not going to ask for that selfie. I mean, to, to an extent, you know, being real is as important on social media as it is in, in, a, in the real world, isn't it? You know, you could, yeah, I, I think it's really important, especially with younger kids who haven't been like through the ringer and don't know what's real and what's fake yet. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, our, our generation built, you know, social media, right? Like we built the uh, churning machine of trying to create wealth out of nothing 
or renting Lamborghinis and, you know, saying, you know, this is because of my business. And I'm like, no, you rented that, man. That's, that's not real. That's you're, you're projecting a, a false image of yourself. That's not real. You're going to get called out on it in the long run. I also get irritated by like 14 year old kids who like flip a pair of shoes that they found at Goodwill and then put CEO in their, in their bio. <laughs> <laughs> which is a very real thing because i get hit up by those kids oh, do you? going hey do you want to collaborate i'm like no buddy i don't yeah, <laughs> uh uh good luck on your journey like yeah. i have i have so much more respect for the kid who's like hey i mowed lawns all summer to save up for my first vr headset can you take five minutes and give me some recommendations? Mm, I, I like I you. I mean, like, right. absolutely. Get Half-Life Alex. Get Beat Saber, man. <laughs> well, I like good looking on your journey. I'm going to use that one. Can it? okay, it's okay with you if I steal that next time. Next time. Go. Irritating. I, I, I think I actually stole that from Gary Vee. <laughs> <laughs> good looking on your journey. Mm. Well, um, thank you. So I'm... I'm, I'm I can't. Uh, I've enjoyed this so much, I and mean, I can't wait to go back and listen to it. To be honest, um, Eugene, I've, I've really, really enjoyed this, and you've, you've uh, provided so much value to people. So um, I thank you immensely for that. So um, yeah, um, and we'll, we'll stay in touch, and and and, and the best of luck to you. <laughs> I want to say good luck in your journey. <laughs> Entirely different, but uh, we'll talk again soon. Absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing how this, uh, this podcast came out. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Well, you take care and um, yeah, look after yourself and we'll speak soon. I shall stop recording right now. Wasn't that great? I hope you enjoyed seeing into the future with Eugene. And I'll see you again very soon. Until then, please take care of yourself and see you later.